The following message, entitled, Prepare for Victory, Part 6 of the series, Courageous Faith, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 23rd of September, 2015. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. A couple of announcements before uh, we start into the message. Fellowship group sign-ups. Uh, just a reminder... They are fellowship groups are going to be starting up again in September. So if you'd like to get plugged into one of those, uh, this is the last week that the sign-ups will be in the lobby. You can sign up in the Welcome Center or online after this week. Um, and also that reminds me, the signing up online part of it, uh, big news, new church website coming up sometime this week. So... Uh, Sean and my wife Jane have been working hard on that, so check that out sometime this week. It's um, www.saving... I should have looked before I said this. What is it? SavingGraceIndianaPA.org, I think. Is that wrong? I just click on my button. I don't know what it is. SGCIndianaPA.org. Okay. All right. Well, this morning we are uh, continuing our series in the book of Joshua. And uh, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, we're going to be seeing that preparation, preparation is perhaps the biggest key to victory in battle. So our sermon this morning is entitled, Preparing for Victory, from Joshua Chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Now, there are a lot of successful people in this world who really preach the importance of proper preparation. And uh, just to get our, our minds in this groove, I want to show you a couple of them and give you a couple quotes that these important people have stated. And uh, we'll put a picture up and you tell me who they are. So who's this guy? Right, General Colin Powell. He said, There is no secret to success. Success is the result of proper preparation. I would agree. How about this next guy? Right, Coach Bobby Knight, basketball coach. Bobby Knight says, I don't believe in luck. I believe in preparation. It's a good quote. How about the next fella? He's from the past, a little further back. Anybody know? Colonel Sanders? That does look a little bit like him. That's uh, Alexander Graham Bell. He said, preparation is the key to success. You'll know this next one. Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Good quote. I'll give you a, give you a couple more. Bear Bryant. Coach Bear Bryant. It's not, it's not the will to win that matters. Everyone has that. It's the will to prepare that makes the difference. And finally, my favorite, Abe Lincoln. I love what he said. He said, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I will spend the first four sharpening my axe. Oh, you know what? I think we do have one more. <laughs> Anybody know who that character is? He's in the room. That's Pastor Joe Ryer. And he says, 
my Fu Manchu and smoldering stare say, I'm prepared for just about anything. <laughs> that was from our facial hair contest we had a couple years back. I think you should bring it back, Joe. So today's preparation determines tomorrow's achievement. And spiritually in the Christian life, doesn't always match up with what the wisdom of the world says, but in this case, uh, it's the same. The same is true. The difference is the way in which we prepare for spiritual success. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to see how to prepare for spiritual success. So Joshua chapter 5 gives us some good insight on how to prepare, and it comes right before chapter 6, which is the battle of Jericho, where Israel experienced victory over the uh, Amorites and Canaanites. And the formula that God gives them in Joshua 5 that we're going to look at today is really the same formula that, that we follow for spiritual success and victory in our Christian lives. So before starting right into chapter 5, just a minute to review uh, to get the context of where we are. We saw a couple weeks ago that leading up to their crossing of the Jordan River into Canaan, Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. And in that 40 years, it was just wilderness wandering. And that that wilderness wandering represented the Christian life, which is uh, defeated, confused, and just wandering outside of God's will. So we saw how a lot of times these physical stories and pictures of the Old Testament represent a spiritual truth in our lives like that. Then last week we saw that Israel took its first steps of faith into the Jordan River and across that barrier into Canaan land. And this uh, crossing of the Jordan represents a stepping out of rebellion, out of wilderness wandering, and into the waters and through the waters of God's will. So for us, it's, it's a step of living a defeated Christian life for maybe years and then finally... Uh, turning to the Lord in faith and stepping into His will. And uh, today, we're going to see what happened as soon as they crossed that Jordan and how they prepared for the upcoming battle. So we're going to see three things today out of Joshua chapter 5 that we must do to prepare for victory. Three things that we must do to prepare for victory. Number one, we're going to see that we have to Reevaluate our plans through Scripture. Israel had to do this as well. They had to reevaluate their plans through God's Word. Number two, we have to renew our covenant with God. And number three, we have to roll away the reproach of our past. So let's pray and ask God for His help, and then we'll get into each one of these. Father, thank you for your Word that guides us. It is truly a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we're dependent upon You both to, for me to teach this material and for us to understand, learn, and benefit from it. So we declare our dependence upon You, Jesus, upon Your Spirit. Give us insight into this Word this morning that we would leave here built up, encouraged, and that each one of us would grow in the knowledge of Your Word. It's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So number one, the first thing we have to do to prepare 
for victory in battle is reevaluate our plans through Scripture. We see this in verses 1 and 2. Let's take a look at them. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the, the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted. And there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. So, what this is telling us is that the Amorites and the Canaanites, the enemies who were beyond the Jordan, heard what happened. What, what Joe talked about last week, when God stopped the waters of this raging Jordan River and allowed Israel to cross over into this promised land. Remember, the Amorite and the Canaanite people were the inhabitants of this land. They were the people who, who had lived there. And they didn't fully realize yet that God had given this land, had promised this land to the Israelite people. But they were slowly starting to figure that out. And as they heard about God opening up that river and letting, Jordan, letting Israelites cross the Jordan, they began to fear. They began to, as it says, their hearts melted. They were becoming very disheartened and discouraged. And in war or combat or sports or really any competition, uh, that's the time to strike. So Israel, as they were crossing over and they're hearing about their enemies becoming very discouraged, very fearful, very disheartened, they're probably thinking, okay, this is the time to go for the KO. This is, we've got to strike while the iron's hot. Because that's what, that's what a good uh, general in an army would tell you. That's the time to strike. And I'm sure Joshua knew this. And he was probably thinking that as well. But God said, not yet. God said, no. You have to wait. Not yet. Let's look at why God said that. Verse 2. He says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So, here we're at this situation where it's the most opportune time to strike for an army to go in and conquer another army. And God's telling them, wait, don't go. All the men have to be circumcised. Okay, Circumcision, this would not be a very good time in a, a war general's mind for all the men to be circumcised. I'm not sure if there is a good time for grown men to be circumcised, but this is a bad time. Um, they're probably thinking, this is, this is our window of opportunity. I would imagine they're even thinking, wait a minute, Joshua, I think you misunderstood the Lord. It, th- this, this window of opportunity has been opened by God, and it's God who has struck fear into the hearts of these, these enemies. This is the t- God's saying attack right now. This is a, a door that God has opened up for us. I think you're wrong, Joshua. I think you're misunderstanding the Lord here. So right here, Israel had a choice. And the, the choice is this. Do they recognize uh, this word from the Lord to stop and be circumcised as, as a word from God? Or do they recognize their circumstances and, and how it appears by sight as, as God's doing, as uh, a sign from God to go into this? And 
That's a situation that we, we often face, um, just as believers today. It, it can seem many times like God opens up doors for us. Just everything falls into place. And it, it, looks, it looks perfect. It looks right. I mean, think about the times that you might have thought, well, God really opened up this door for us. He really opened up this opportunity for me. But the point here is that we must always evaluate open doors or opportunities by God's Word. And that's what Israel did. Israel, though they may have been thinking, wait a minute, everything looks perfect, they heard God's Word and they obeyed God's Word. God will never contradict Himself. If something is truly of God, and you're thinking, everything just looks like God wants me to do this, consult His Word. Because His Word will never lead you astray. And many times His Word will reveal that it may not have been Him that opened up that opportunity. He may want you to wait. Satan can open up counterfeit opportunities for us. He does it all the time to try to steer us outside of God's will. So we must measure everything that we do by God's Word. We must reevaluate our lives and our actions by God's Word. That's the first point. That's the first point of preparation before going into battle, before you can really experience spiritual victory. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So if we want our steps to be established, our plans to be established, we've got to align it, align them with God's Word all of the time, or we will be outside of His plan, outside of His will. So as we're thinking about this, and as we're looking at Israel, just think about maybe an area in your life that you might need to reevaluate and realign with God's Word. We probably all have them. So this could even be, if there is something like that in your life, where you are not really being driven and steered by God's Word, but more by your circumstances or your feelings. It could be why you're not experiencing spiritual victory in your life. If Israel wouldn't have obeyed God and would have just gone with how everything looked, they would not have experienced spiritual victory. And the same principle applies to us. So let's uh, just be thinking as we're hearing this message and through the week, is there something in our life that we need to reevaluate? Sometimes... Um, Doing this might be, it might be inefficient. And think about Israel and their situation. This was, getting circumcised at that point in time was not the most efficient thing to do if they wanted to conquer these enemies. Uh, they would have taken weeks to heal. But um, they had to do it. In God's sight, it was the more efficient thing. It might not be convenient. So realigning our lives with God's Word might be inconvenient. It might be uncomfortable. Surely getting circumcised was uncomfortable. They were probably thinking of, you remember the story back in Genesis where uh, Levi and Simeon were, they, the, the, uh, I can't remember who it was now, the, 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 the army where the man named Shechem um, assaulted Dinah, Jacob's daughter, and they wanted to intermarry with Israel. And Levi and Simeon tricked that army. 
And they said, well, we'll intermarry with you if you get circumcised. Remember this story? And so the men of that, that enemy army got circumcised, and Levi and Simeon, two men, went in and killed them all with swords because they were so sore and weak and couldn't fight. So they were probably thinking about that. What if the Amorites and Canaanites come and attack us right now? But God's way is always right. So maybe a couple examples of just thinking about things through God's Word and not the open doors that might not be of God. First of all, uh, I was thinking one of one example. You might have uh, some great employment opportunity or the opportunity to work a just a bunch of extra hours or uh, something that would bring more success and comfort and wealth to you and your family. Not that that's always wrong, but if you are putting that before your family, in other words, if you're doing that to the neglect of your family and what God calls us to do spiritually in leading our families, in other words, if that's getting in the way of what God calls us to do, then that open door might not be from God. It might actually be from the enemy trying to steer us away from God's will. So we need to reevaluate that circumstance through what Scripture calls us to do and what Scripture says is our number one priority. Uh, another example. This is maybe a more common one that, that I've heard a number of times. Here's another example. Uh, you have an unbelievable set of circumstances that has brought... You're single, and you have this unbelievable set of circumstances that has brought your, quote, soulmate into your life. And all the circumstances are pointing to the fact that this relationship must be from God. I mean, how could all, this, how could all these things happen? These things aren't just coincidence. I mean, God must have done these things. He must have arranged these things. But your soulmate, this person that you feel God has brought into your life, isn't, isn't a believer. But you're thinking, I don't care, because look at what happened. God must have done this. He, he's such a nice guy. She's such a, a perfect girl. It must be from God. In that case, if that's a situation that you've gone through or are going through, you need to reevaluate the circumstances of that situation through Scripture. And I can tell you right now, Scripture says that we are not to be connected in that way with unbelievers. So, Scripture cuts through the fog of circumstances and trying to discern God's will through our feelings, and it just clearly says in that case, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. God's will is very clear, and it trumps our feelings. But many times, we, we want to go by our feelings rather than God's Word. So, the point here is to judge our open doors and opportunities by Scripture. So, why was this circumcision? Why was being circumcised that important? Why was it such an important thing for preparation for battle? Well, we'll see the answers to that question under this next point. Renew your covenant with God. So we had reevaluate our lives according to Scripture. Number two, renew your covenant with God. See, God made a covenant with Israel years earlier, uh, but, and it was a covenant of circumcision. But none of these men were circumcised. Why were they not circumcised if God made a covenant with them years before that they needed to be circumcised 
in order to possess this land. Well, let's look. Verses 2 through 7 explain that. It says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint and knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Ha'araloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. So here it is. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that He would not let them see the land of the Lord, that, the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place, that Joshua circumcised. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So, why, why were they uncircumcised? Well, it was because none of the men during that 40 years, none, none of the, the men who were born during that 40 years in the wilderness had been circumcised. In other words, their parents never really kept this covenant of the Lord to circumcise them as babies. They forgot about it. They just neglected it. And the circumcision of these men was very important to God because it was tied directly to their crossing over and possessing this land. Let's just take a quick look in Genesis when the covenant was initially made. And this will give us more clarity on that. Genesis 17, 8-11, this is the actual covenant. God said, And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep. So here it is. Here's, see, right here I have to stop. God made the covenant. He made the promise on His end. He said, I'm going to give you this land. It's yours. I'm going to promise it to you. But here's the part that you have to keep. Verse 10. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So God, for His own reasons, tied this circumcision covenant in with the possession of the land. In other words, they had to be circumcised before they possessed the land. But none of them were. So they cross over the Jordan. We see that last week. They're ready to go conquer. And God says, wait, this is really important. And it was really important to God. And that's why He made them do it. But the point here was that the covenant became forgotten on Israel's side. God never forgot about it. But Israel forgot about it, and they neglected it, and they needed to renew their covenant with God. The word covenant, just it, it's a word that means binding. It's a word that, that, that brings two into oneness. It's like, the, think of the covenant of marriage. It's like a, marriage is a covenant. 
two independent people become one, and they become dependent on one another. And it's a lifelong covenant. And God made this covenant with them because He wanted to bring them into dependence upon Him. And He wanted them to be one with Him. Now, it's important for us to remember that God, God made and initiated this covenant with Israel. They didn't make or initiate this covenant with Him. He, he is the initiator of these covenants. And their job, though, was to keep the covenant by having the men be circumcised so that they could experience the promise that He made to them in that covenant. Okay? So that's important for us to remember because as we've been talking about throughout Joshua, many of these things are, are physical pictures of spiritual realities under the New Covenant, the New Testament that we're under now. And the covenant of circumcision, this covenant we've been talking about, is a picture or symbol of something that applies to us today as believers. It's no longer physical circumcision. Let's look in Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13, to see what this represents. It says, In Him, that's, that Him is Jesus Christ, in Him also you were circumcised. Speaking to all believers today, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off, okay, think, we're not going to get into all the details of circumcision, but think about circumcision and how it relates spiritually. By putting off the body, and that putting off, by the way, can also be translated cutting off. It's the same word. So, by cutting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you are also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision, the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him. So the Old Testament covenant of circumcision is a picture of the New Testament covenant of regeneration. The word that means being made spiritually alive. It, it means being born again. It means being given spiritual life. And in that, in that uh, regeneration when we were given spiritual life, something happened. It says in, in verse uh, 11, there was a putting off, a cutting off of the body of flesh. So we who are believers are no longer just flesh. We are now flesh, but we were cut off from that and we are now spiritual creations. In other words, that's why uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Gone. The new has come. We are now a spiritual creation. And that took place spiritually. So it wasn't a physical circumcision. It was a spiritual circumcision of the heart. So we have to understand that we've been brought into a covenant of God that's much better than this old covenant of circumcision. That just represented. It was just a picture 
of what actually happened to us spiritually. So when God gave us spiritual life, He made a covenant with us. And that covenant may, though it's done, though our flesh has been put off, and and here's what flesh means, okay? Spiritually speaking, in the Christian life, the flesh is, is that part of us that desires or craves anything sinful. Anything that would miss the mark of God's righteousness. So think about, think about when you last desired something that you knew was wrong, that God wouldn't approve of. Where did that come from? That came from your flesh. Okay? That came from the part of you that God has disconnected us from spiritually. Now, here's the thing that, that might be a little bit confusing, but I don't think it has to be. Though we have been disconnected from the flesh, though there has been regeneration, we've been given new life, though there has been a disconnect between the new spiritual creation that you and I are in Christ and the old man or the old self that the Bible talks about, that old self, though, though he's dead, he's, there are remnants of him or her that remain with us. That's why we get these urges and desires to sin. That's why we get stirred up emotionally and we can get angry or we can sin out of anger or lust or any sin. He's disconnected, which is why God tells us in His Word that we're a new creation, that we are no longer slaves of sin. This is what regeneration means. This is what being circumcised spiritually means. We, we no longer have to obey that flesh. We no longer have to do what it says, where before we only had that, so we just did what it said all the time. But now we no longer have to. Can you? Yes. But you don't have to. And that's what, for example, Ephesians 4.22 and many other Scriptures tell us when they say things like, put off, put off your old self, or cut off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. See, it's been cut off, but it still creeps back in once in a while and tries to control us. And God tells us we have to continually renew that covenant of circumcision. God's already done it, but we have to renew it by, by this. It's, it's simple. Every time we're tempted to sin, we just cut that off. And see, this is the great thing about the spiritual circumcision that took place in our hearts, regeneration. We can. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that God will never let us, us who are believers, be tempted beyond what we can bear. But with every temptation, we'll make a way of escape. Every time we're tempted, God, God has given us, already given us, the power to overcome that. He's already given it to us in this regeneration, this spiritual circumcision. So, as we think about this and how it all works out in our lives, we we can know that renewing this covenant of spiritual circumcision just means cutting off remaining areas of our flesh that continue to grow or continue to tempt us. So, how do we do that? Well, here's how we do it. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. 
Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Spirit of God that's in us uses the Word of God, the sword, to divide that fleshly area of our heart from that spiritual area of our heart. If you're not, in other words, if you're not voluntarily going under the knife, if by, by looking in God's Word, reading it, and evaluating your life compared to how God says you should live, how God says your life should look, how Jesus Christ's life looked. I mean, that's all you've got to do. Look at the life of Jesus Christ and compare yourself to Him. And if you do that, you'll find a thousand areas that need cut out of your life. That's what we need to do. That's how we become holy. We go under the knife voluntarily, the knife of God's Word, and allow the Spirit of God to do His work in our lives. But if we're not going into God's Word, then we're like that, you know that living sacrifice that Paul talked about in Romans 12 when he said, offer yourselves up like a living sacrifice? Well, we're, we're like crawling off the altar. We're not really offering ourselves up as a living sacrifice if we're not voluntarily going into God's Word with humility and saying, God, do surgery on me. Show me where I, what I need to cut out of my life. We're just crawling off the altar. We're crawling off the surgical table and we're not allowing Him to do the work. So this is an ongoing thing. Though it's already been done, though it's already been done by the Lord, just like that covenant had already been made by the Lord, and that land had already been promised them, they couldn't experience the blessings of that land unless they kept their part of the covenant. See, it's the same way with us. You might be a believer... But unless you are keeping your part of this covenant of regeneration, you might not be experiencing the blessings of the fruitful Christian life where God offers all of these spiritual blessings to you. That could be a reason why you're not experiencing it. So we need to, as God tells us in Hebrews 4.12, Ephesians 4.22-24, through 24, and many other places, continually cut off the old man or the areas of our flesh. And we identify what needs cut off by looking at Jesus Christ and His Word and comparing ourselves to, us, to it and allowing God's Spirit to reveal those things to us. So, that's what it means to renew our covenant of circumcision. Just dealing with the fleshly areas of our heart today. Now, if, if you're thinking of something in your life right now, if maybe maybe... Maybe you are like the Israelites who have wandered for 40 years without being circumcised and keeping God's covenant. In other words, maybe, maybe you're 40 years old or close to it and you've been sinning in a certain area of life all your life. And you're realizing when I'm uh, standing up here speaking, he's talking about that area of my life. And you're thinking about that area. Listen. This is the time. This is the day. Israel had a day when God said, renew the covenant. You can do that today. You can do it right now. You can decide to do that. And you may have failed year after year after year after year after trying to renew this covenant, 
But this is, this is the blessing of regeneration. Regeneration, spiritual circumcision means God has already done in you, already done in you what you need to do your part. That's what it means. He has already given you and I spiritual life. We have really no excuse. It's, it's on us if we're disobedient to Him because He's given us all we need for life and godliness according to His Word, by His Spirit, and through His Word. Now, I know it's hard, but if you do these three things, I really believe that you will experience victory. So realigning your yourself with God's Word, evaluating yourself with God's Word, comparing yourself and then renewing any covenant, circumcising any area that needs cut out of your life. And finally, this is the third thing. So at this point, Israel's almost ready. They're almost prepared. Remember, we're talking about preparation for victory today. So the final thing that they need to do, and this is, this is a big one. This is something that I think many of us Many of us will be freed if we, can, if we can just get this. It's so freeing. Roll away the reproach of your past. Joshua chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, listen to what he said, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. See, Gilgal means to roll away. It means to roll something away. So the phrase roll away means to remove something, to, to get it out of there, to push it away. And it's, the picture is like this. It's like there's this heavy, burdensome weight of reproach on you or guilt or shame or you just have this burden on your conscience because of something that you've done. And God says, today I'm naming this place Gilgal. I'm rolling it all away. You don't have to bear the burden of that anymore. It's gone. Look at Look at what he rolled away for Israel. He said he, re- he rolled away the reproach of Egypt. <clears throat> now, Egypt, as we talked about in the past weeks of this study, represents sin. Egypt represents sin. And the reproach of Egypt was, for Israel, the, the burden of having thought about walking outside of God's will, will when they wanted to go back to Egypt. Remember in that 40 years, they said, we don't want to go into Canaan. It's too hard. It was easy in Egypt. We want to go back there. And, and they, they made false gods. They made a golden calf that they worshipped. And they basically just walked outside of God's will and wanted to go back toward Egypt, towards sin. And they, at this time, must have felt very badly about that. It must have burdened their conscience. They must have been thinking about it when they were getting ready to go into battle. When they were getting ready to do God's will. And it hindered them. Have you, have you ever been there where God's calling you to do something and you're thinking, I can't do this. How could God use me? I mean, think about what I've done. 
God is not going to help me. He's not going to use me. Because this burden of sin and shame and disgrace is remaining on you and oppressing you and keeping you back from doing God's will. See, God wants us to have a, a Gilgal, a place and time where our conscience becomes clear. That's a real key to preparing for spiritual victory that probably keeps many, many Christians from experiencing it. And see, it's something God has done. God did this. He rolled it away. He took it all away. Now, I do want to say this here. If, let's say you, you haven't done these first two things. Let's say that you are living in sin, ongoing sin right now. And you don't really care what God's Word says. You haven't realigned your life with Scripture because you want to continue in this pattern of sin. And let's say that you haven't repented. You haven't renewed your covenant with God. You haven't said, Lord, okay, I want to cut this area out of my life. Well, you should feel conviction. See, that's the Holy Spirit um, putting conviction on your conscience. This rolling away happened after they did steps one and two. They renewed their covenant with God. They repented. And now that burden was gone. And they were free and clear. See, that's the thing. If you've repented from your sin, or if, if you've even just, even today, let's say that you are one of those people that have been sinning in a certain way for 40 years. And, and, and right five minutes ago when I said, you can do this right now, let's say you thought in your mind, Lord, I, I want to change. I want to cut this off right now. I want to renew my covenant and I want to follow you. You don't have to be put on probation for 10 years and say, well, we'll wait and see and then I'll be free from this burden. No, they, they, they got circumcised and that day after they healed that week later or whatever, the Lord said, I'm, I'm naming this place Gilgal because I'm rolling it all away. You can roll it away today. That's how our God is. Our God is merciful and He doesn't want you to be under that oppression of sin. He wants you to realize that you are a new creation. See, that's why He told us, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's a, part, that's a big part of all of this. That's a big part of rolling this away and getting it off of our conscience and out of our lives so it doesn't hinder us anymore. We, we have to tell ourselves what God has said about us, that we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Because on the cross, Jesus took it all away as far as the east is from the west. And we no longer have to feel that burden anymore. And this is so freeing. We can be free of that burden of our sin. I once, uh, not too long ago, um, counseled uh, a woman. Was, she wasn't from our church. I don't think any of you know her. But she had been in an adulterous affair 20 years ago. And she, for 20 years, she had no peace in her life. And she came in, broke down, crying, said, I haven't got a good night's sleep for 20 years. I can't, I can't live anymore because of the weight of this. And, and, and to make things worse, she had people in her life who knew about this that continued to remind her of this. 
and continued to make her feel badly and punish her about something she did all these years ago. And this woman was a believer. And she was so oppressed by this. But see, God's not like those people that remind, reminded her of this and wouldn't let her get out from under it. That's Satan. He does that. God is merciful and gracious. And He rolls away our guilt and shame. And maybe that's the biggest thing that's holding some of us back today from experiencing the victory that God has for us. You won't do it if you're living under that condemnation. For anyone who's in Christ, there is now no condemnation. The Lord has rolled it away. So maybe you need to think of today as your own Gilgal. The Lord has rolled it away. So, experiencing victory, preparing for victory in spiritual battles. What do we do to experience victory? How to prepare for victory? One, we reevaluate our plans through Scripture. Two, we renew our covenant with God. And three, we roll away the reproach of our past. As I pray and as we sing this last song, just think about your own life. Think about what areas you need to better prepare for spiritual success in these three categories. And I believe the Lord can do a great work in our lives through this pattern of Israel today. Let's pray. And we'll have the band come up. Father, we thank You for Your Word that guides us. And we thank You most of all for giving us this new covenant of regeneration, making us spiritually alive, giving us power over sin and over our flesh. Lord, we, though sometimes it's hard to believe, we want to believe that we who are in Christ are new creations. That the old self is gone. That the new has come. So, my prayer for all of us, Lord, is that You would help us to see ourselves from this point on as You say we are. New creations. Dead to sin. Alive to God. People who are recipients of all of Your spiritual blessings. And help us thereby to experience true victory in all areas of our lives, Lord. We want to renew our covenant with you today. And we pray that during this this last song together that you would identify Holy Spirit different areas in our lives that that we may need to reevaluate according to your word and give us the strength we believe you already have to cut these areas out of our lives that we might be pruned and see great spiritual fruit. In Jesus name we ask. Amen.